Uh, if, you've, if you've read through the, uh, uh, the large variety of verses that I sent out earlier in the week, uh, and of course I suppose it's unsurprising that there are many verses within Proverbs being a book of wisdom, uh, both on wisdom and on its opposite, on foolishness. So uh, unsurprising that there were quite so many uh, for the topic of this evening. But if you've read through the, uh, those verses which specifically reference uh, foolishness and also what I think we could rightly say is its brother, wickedness, uh, you can see a variety of characteristics of a person uh, rightly described by these adjectives. And contrary to the way uh, that we would often use the, the word, or if we describe someone with a fool, or if, as a fool, I should say, uh, or if we said that they uh, were exhibiting folly or that they were a foolish person, uh, contrary to the way that we would use that word today, uh, when the Bible calls someone a fool or describes them as foolishness, as foolish, uh, this is not necessarily an attack on their intelligence, uh, but oftentimes is a describing of the individual's character. Uh, it is a, a moral charge. Uh, to bring out a couple of examples, and firstly from outside of the book of Proverbs, Psalm 14 verse 1, you'll be familiar with it, uh, says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. Uh, of course, a person who says that there is no God uh, could also rightly be described as, as fairly unintelligent, uh, but the primary charge is to say that this person has made a, uh, a decision which is unwise, which does not exhibit good moral character. It goes on from saying the fool says in his heart there is no God to describe the characteristics of this person. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Uh, it is a, a moral charge at such an individual. Uh, Proverbs 14, 9, don't, talk, don't turn there rather, uh, says, Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Fools are uncaring. They mock at sin. And just by way of a, uh, a fun fact, which I myself found out this week, uh, the word from the Hebrew translated as fools in that verse and man many other places uh, would be pronounced evil, which of course sounds rather like evil. So fools are evil. You'll remember it forever now, I'm sure. Um, and lastly, Proverbs 13 verse 10 says, By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. The insolent, the overconfident, the prideful, those unwilling to take advice are foolish. Uh, again, not necessarily an attack on the individual's intelligence, uh, but rather a moral charge at them. And though not necessarily absent of intelligence and smarts, uh, wisdom, the opposite of foolishness, similarly is not primarily reflective of a person's intelligence, uh, but their adherence to and learning of God's ways. When we observe a person who knows God's ways and who lives in the same, we observe a wise individual. Now, because this person lives in God's world, uh, which God has funnily enough designed and designed to function in his ways, uh, if a person is living in wise ways, then they probably will look uh, smart or intelligent to a degree. Uh, but the, the primary emphasis is on their adherence to God's ways. It is, once again, a moral charge, I suppose you could say. 
And so having considered man's wisdom last time, uh, let us consider man's foolishness this time and subsequently give ourselves to the former, give ourselves to wisdom. Uh, so we'll have two texts, though of course many could be chosen, uh, two texts with two subsequent points. Uh, the first one is from Proverbs 17 verse 12. And Proverbs 17 verse 12 uh, rather strikingly says this, let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. When Tracy and I, uh, I like to say lived in Canada because it kind of sounds cool, but we were there for three or four months, so I guess it depends on how you determine live. Uh, nonetheless, when we were in Canada, uh, it was during the, uh, the breeding season of, of bears uh, and infrequently you would see signs up in the woods which said you know words to the effect of uh, dangerous bear do not go any further uh, and I was uh, I was willing to to heed that warning I, I didn't really wish to come across a bear um, perhaps more bravely my wife was somewhat more keen to see a bear and so uh, on a couple of occasions we uh, we did walk past these signs that said you know dangerous bear do not go any further um, we are here before you today, so evidently we live to tell the tale. Uh, but I, I'm informed that particularly uh, there are mainly black bears and brown bears in this region where we were, uh, and particularly black bears, uh, and again particularly when their young are involved, uh, can actually be fairly aggressive. But fools in their folly are less rational than wild bears or wild animals uh, is the summary that numerous commentators give of that verse. A foolish human being acting in foolish ways has less rationality, is less safe to come across than a wild bear. Uh, the folly spoken of in that verse uh, could, be could be understood as, as anger, rage, etc. Uh, and if you turn to, to Proverbs 14.29, you'll see that it says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So one aspect of this folly has to do with anger, rage, etc. And so though uh, in thinking about how to understand and apply this verse, there is some legitimacy uh, to understanding it in a, a physical way. Uh, we could paraphrase the, the verse, to meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs is safer than meeting a man in a fit of rage. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I would bid to us that we consider the verse primarily in a non-physical way. If the ways of the world, those which are unwise and foolish, uh, if these ways are so at odd with that of Christ, if every intention of a man's heart is only evil continually, if that same heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, if the way that seems right to a man is actually the way that leads to death, if all these things are so, which they are, biblically speaking, then our great caution ought to be with participation in the world's folly and ways even more than with physical danger from a particularly angry individual. And of course, this is not to instill fear within us as I teach our children, fear God and him only. Uh, rather, it is to caution us against the world and to show us where the true enemy is. And it is to exhort us to that pure food, 
that uh, which is of most worth, which is in Christ. Uh, Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians 6, and we'll read from verse 10 in a moment. Uh, For we see uh, this principle which I'm speaking of uh, laid out fairly plainly in these verses. So Ephesians 6, starting from verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and put in the strength of his might. Sorry, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Our enemy is not primarily physical, though, of course, uh, enemies can manifest themselves in physical ways from time to time. Uh, But rather, our primary enemy is that which is non-physical. Our primary battleground is not that of the flesh, but that of the spirit. Uh, Therefore, be careful with regards to the non-physical. By way of uh, further application, putting some, some further meat on these bones, Uh, We could apply this avoidance of worldly folly in such ways as uh, discernmentless engagement in the music of the world. I remember one time a a preacher, which I I like to listen to from time to time, saying that all speaking is preaching. And of course, what we're engaging in right now is specifically preaching. But nonetheless, everything you listen to, everything you read has a worldview. It is, in a sense, preaching to you. And so discernmentless engaging with the music of the world, I didn't say avoiding it entirely, but discernmentless engagement with the music of the world uh, is a dangerous thing. If all speaking is preaching, what is the language you are engaging with saying? What worldview does it come from? Does it acknowledge God at the foundation of everything? Or uncritically considering uh, our engagement in the waters we swim in. And this is, of course, uh, very hard, but very necessary. By the very nature of the fact it is the waters we swim in, it is what we are used to. We are oftentimes those uh, frogs, using that wonderful analogy, uh, those frogs who have been put in the pot of water when it was cool, only to have the stove switched on underneath them, who gradually boil alive due to being unaware of the heat that they're in. For example, should we cohabitate prior to marriage? These are perhaps easy questions for us to answer, but nonetheless very normal things which we need to rail against. Should we call ourselves the mum and dad of our pet? If you do, we will have words at a later point. (laughs) Should we send our children to the public school? Maybe we have opinions on both sides of that debate within this congregation, I don't know, although I hasten to say perhaps not. Uh, Should both mum and dad work full-time plus outside of the home? I had a conversation with somebody uh, during this Christmas season uh, who both he and his wife worked and then he also had a side business uh, and he was telling me very authoritatively that it's impossible to to live on on even two incomes. You have to have more than that now. Uh, I'm not sure that he was aware that he was talking to a a one-income household man. But you can see how uh, these things are just so normal, uh, but must be challenged from biblically thinking Christians. Uh, And of course, this is by no means an exhaustive list of the things which we might consider. 
And so in light of these things, consider once again the subject verse. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. It is better for you to be considered by a black bear, the one who robbed her of her young, than for you to have participation in such worldly foolishness. You might be mauled, scratched, whacked and bitten to death by such a bear, but you may lose your soul if you meet and participate with a fool in his folly. And so avoid the fool and his folly at all costs. And perhaps just over the page or so is Proverbs 19, verse 3. And at that point it says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against Yahweh. There was a, a particular Christian counseling, I suppose you'd call it, uh, prayer ministry, which Tracy and I did some training in, were involved in for a, a relatively short period. Uh, and one of the things which it taught was uh, anger when it is not directed toward uh, a particular person or a particular thing must therefore be uh, at God. When I'm not uh, angry at, at somebody for doing something against me, if I'm just generally uh, angry at a thing that has occurred, uh, that anger is by default at God. And the frustrating, frustrating thing about this verse is that it is the man's own folly that brings his way to ruin, and yet it is God whom he rages against. And if we can see the frustration and the lack of rightness in such a man, imagine how God must feel uh, who sees such a notion play itself out time and again in front of his very eyes. Uh, we think perhaps uh, of the author of his own demise, uh, who is at the absolute end of his tether out in the rain, shaking his fist in the air and saying, why God, why? But when did such an individual consistently or perhaps ever thank God for the bounty of blessing he experienced at God's right hand? Uh, such an individual, again, perhaps to give a couple of examples, uh, whether in a situation so dire as what I've described or otherwise, perhaps he uh, embellished on his tax return uh, to subsequently be found out by the tax office. Perhaps he engaged in pornography uh, to subsequently have sexual trouble in marriage. Perhaps he was with consistency unrighteously angry at his children and wonders why they don't walk with the Lord. I add a caveat to that, of course, which says that it is the Lord who saves, and yet, nonetheless, we may well be the means that he does this through. And so if our example is not Christ-like, then we are not helping with this situation. But in every of these examples, uh, the individual is, at least in part, the author of his own demise. He lived in folly and it brought his way to ruin, yet so often it is God who gets the blame, whether expressed or otherwise. I do wonder if uh, Adam had not been given Eve and yet nonetheless sinned in the garden if he would have blamed God and said, if you had to put me in that garden over there, then this wouldn't have happened. We find a way to become angry at God uh, and it is a foolish thing to do. So what in all of this uh, is the, the encouragement or the exhortation? Where this describes you in, in greater or lesser a measure, put in place the exhortation from the first point and run headlong in the other direction from such a practice. In other words, repent. 
Uh, you are not so far gone as that you are beyond saving or sanctifying at such, in such a sin. Repent of anger against God. Repent of the folly that led to such anger. Read and pursue God's ways and give him thanks, being perhaps the clincher, give him thanks as you see the fruit thereof. God's ways will naturally produce good fruit within one's life. And we must remember to thank him for that good fruit. And so folly breeds sin, repentance breeds righteousness. And as I mentioned at the very start, uh, turn with me, if you will, back to, to 1 Corinthians. Uh, I once, uh, when I was preaching irregularly at the Kuma Church, I was preaching a series through 1 Corinthians. And when I got to the passage which I read before, uh, verses 18 to 25, uh, I recall entitling the message, Whose Moron Are You? Uh, the reason being that the, the word translated as folly there uh, is Moriah, uh, from which we get our English word moron. And so the point rings true. Let me read verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly, it is Moriah, it is moronic to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Who's more on you? The point rings true. Uh, in the sense of ultimates, you will either be uh, a fool, you will be a moron to the world, or you will be a fool, you will be a moron to God. Uh, we've seen throughout the, the course of this message uh, that worldly ways are uh, really foolish ways. And if you hearken back to last couple of Sundays ago message, uh, you'll remember that God's ways are wise ways and as man employs them uh, are really good fruitful and good ways just by way of very brief recap the the points were that as man utilizes wisdom he equips himself to learn more wisdom becomes productive and wealthy becomes industrious he avoids evil and danger and he does that which is opposite to his natural inclination and so let us remember uh, once more to avoid the fool and his folly at all costs and that folly breeds sin, repentance breeds righteousness. And with that, um, perhaps, though I'm sure uh, a preacher could tailor any message to say this is the message for 2024, uh, but perhaps one thing that we can take on board as we uh, look upon a new year is who will we be morons to? Will we be morons to the world or will we be morons to Christ? Uh, and it is one thing, and of course a good thing, to make that decision once and for all. Uh, but that decision really faces us in a variety of ways, probably every day. Uh, so once and for all, will you be a moron to Christ or the world? And in every day and in every situation you find yourself in, ask yourself the same question. Let us be wise friends of Christ, ever found in him and living in his ways. So as we turn to uh, 15, 20 so minutes of prayer, um, three points, and of course pray as you, as you think of things as well. Uh, discernment to identify folly and resolve and strength to avoid the same. Uh, a real, genuine care of what God thinks and a lack of care for what the world thinks. And resolve and proactivity to pursue Christ in his ways. 
So discernment, a care of what God thinks, resolve proactivity to pursue Christ in his ways. Let me start and then uh, take up as you would like. Lord, I am am remembering even as I pray now uh, what I just said, Lord, that it is one thing to make a once and for all decision uh, to follow you, to in the world's eyes be a moron. Uh, And of course, this is a good decision to make once and for all. Uh, Yet, Lord, it requires great resolve to put this into place in every day. So I pray that you would give us uh, a quick mind to identify which route we ought to take in any given situation. And that we would have minds finely tuned by your word, Lord. Minds and hearts which are are finely tuned because of a, a knowledge of your word, Lord, and because of a great affection for you, Lord, and by your spirit a natural inclination uh, to ways which are good. Thank you, Father, for your abundant mercy. Thank you for what you have done in Christ for your people. Please, Lord, help us to regularly reflect on this uh, and to live lives which are reflective of those who are in you. I ask it in your name.